Hi, this is Glenn, your host for the podcast for Chemistry 1A online on MSMU. This is episode 6, folks. Episode 6. I'm trying to help you out here with the web assign that's due tomorrow night, Thursday night. And it is the second web assign for this week, coming to you from chapter 3, around the general neighborhood of page 149 of the textbook. The first problem is about solution concentration. Um, it is a, the concentration of a pure substance dissolved in water. The question is, what is the volume of some concentration of sulfuric acid solution that contains some number of moles of sulfuric acid? So, the important thing to know here is, is that uh, concentration in general chemistry is measured in units of molar. And uh, the symbol for that is the capital M, which is in italics, the slanty M. And we call molar the units for measuring molarity. Molarity is concentration. Molarity, more specifically, is moles per liter. For nurses, often blood chemistry items are measured in the concentration units of milligrams per deciliter. Milligrams, which is a mass measurement, per deciliter, which is a volume measurement. In general chemistry, it is more useful to measure concentration in moles per liter, or molar. That's because moles is an approximate count, or an approximate measure of how many molecules there are there, or how many ions there are there, how, ma how many of the smallest unit of whatever pure substance is dissolved are there in the solution. And that is divided by the volume, as usual. So, um, just to summarize there, in nursing, often you use milligrams per deciliter. But in general chemistry, we'll be using mostly moles per liter. Moles per liter is abbreviated as uh, capital M in italics. And we call that moles per liter as molar. Molar means moles per liter. This measurement is called molarity. Now... What is the volume? I'm going to use a few numbers here, and um, your numbers are going to be different from my numbers in, in the web assign. What is the volume of maybe a 0.1 molar sulfuric acid solution that contains maybe 0.3 moles of sulfuric acid? Well, let's see. I want the volume. The volume is in liters. So if the volume is in liters... Let me make sure that I'm going to have liters on top, okay? So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to write the molarity of this sulfuric acid solution with liters on top because I know that mol molarity, 0.1 molar, is really 0.1 moles per liter. That means 0.1 moles over 1 liter. Now... I want the volume. I want liters. So to put liters on top, I'm going to turn that upside down. I'm going to write on my page one liter over 0.1 moles. I just turned upside down that moles per liter given quantity. All right? So I've got one liter over 0.1 moles. Now I have liters on top. That's good. I have moles on the bottom. I want to cross out the moles because the answer has to be in liters. So the moles number that's given in the problem is 0.3 moles. So I, I multiply what I just wrote down times 0.3 moles. That's, that stays on the top. 
So I, so far I have one liter over 0.1 moles. That whole thing times 0.3 moles. There are moles on top, 0.3 moles, and moles on the bottom, 0.1 moles. I'm going to cross the moles out. Now I only have one unit, unit standing, one, one unit that has not been crossed out, and that's liters, and that's on top. So on my calculator, I do one liter times 0.3 moles divided by 0.1 moles. So effectively, since anything times one is just itself, effectively it is just 0.3 divided by 0.1. So 0.3 divided by 0.1 is just 3. So the answer is 3 liters. Let's check for significant figures. 0.1 molar, that has one significant figure. 0.3 moles, that has one significant figure. So my answer needs to have one significant figure. And it does. 3 liters, that has one significant figure. End of story. I think for your problem, it's going to end up being two significant figures, but I'm not sure if, that, if that's going to vary or not um, as WebAssign switches things up for you. Number two. So um, before we go into number two, let me just uh, remind you that in number one, the key is to know that the big M means moles per liter. So if you have, let's say, 0.17 big M, that means 0.17 moles over one liter. The other key for me was to flip that over because I wanted liters on top. So I had one liter over 0.1 moles, or in this new example, one liter over 0.17 moles. Okay? All right. Um, you will find, folks, that in the textbook, they approach this calculation with a slightly different style. So if you find my style in this podcast confusing, not to worry. Check out the worked examples in Chapter 3. They are examples 3.14, 3.15, 3.16. Actually, there are other examples, too. They go up to 3.18. They start on page 149, and they go to page 151. Um, they use a slightly different technique in the book, something a little more algebra-based. So if that's going to make sense to you more, by all means. It doesn't matter to me how you solve these problems. It only matters that you do solve the problems. Let's go on to problem number two here. And problem number two says a chemist makes a solution of K2SO4. That's potassium sulfate, by the way. Your compound in your problem is probably going to be different some other ionic compound. A chemist makes a solution of K2SO4 by dissolving 20 dot grams K2SO4 in water to make 100.0 milliliters of solution. What is the concentration of SO4 ions in the solution? That's sulfate ions. All right, now let's see here. Given is the molar mass of K2SO4 as 174.27 grams per mole. Wow, 174.27 grams per mole. That's how many, and that's the molar mass of K2SO4. What do they want in this problem? They want molar. They want the concentration. What is the concentration in molar? They want the molarity, which means moles over liters, right? So we need to calculate the moles of K2SO4. 
and then figure out how many moles of SO4 ions that gets us. Then, once we find the moles, we need to divide it by the liters of the solution. Okay. Let's go find the moles first, shall we? I have 20 dot grams K2SO4. It's 20 with a dot after it just means there are two significant figures, the two and the zero. The, 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 the dot after the zero indicates that the zero is, in fact, significant. If the dot were not there, if it were just 20 grams, then in chemistry, that zero would not be significant. 20 grams with no dot would indicate that the measurement was about 20. You have no way of knowing if it was 21, 22, 23, 24, or even 19, 18, 17, 16, or 15. But in this case, it's 20 dot, two significant figures. All right. 20 grams of K2SO4. Now, how many moles is that? Let's see. To figure out how many moles that is, first I write down the given information, 20 dot. Two zero dot and then grams K2SO4. I write that down, and you just imagine that as you drive. And now, I need moles, but I have grams. So I'm going to multiply this by a fraction that has grams in the bottom and moles on top. I have a little piece of information from the problem. It says the molar mass of K2SO4 is 174.27 grams per mole. That, that means 174.27 grams K2SO4 over 1 mole K2SO4. So I'm going to flip that around because I want moles on top. And I'm going I'm to write 1 mole K2SO4 over 174.27 grams K2SO4. One more time. They gave me 174.27 grams per mole. That means 174.27 grams K2SO4 over 1 mole K2SO4. I flip it around, and I, I write down 1 mole K2SO4 over 174.27 grams K2SO4. Notice that when I flip it around, I don't switch the, the numbers 1 and 174.27. 174.27 always is next to the grams, and 1 is always next to the moles. I just flip the entire th thing over. Now, I flip it over and I write it down next to, as a multiplication by, next to my 20.grams K2SO4. So I end up with 20.grams K2SO4 times 1 mole over 174.27 grams K2SO4. The grams cancel and I can get moles of K2SO4 here. I'll just quickly punch that into the calculator. 20 divided by 174.27, and I get 0.11 moles K2SO4. I need two significant figures, because remember the 20 has a dot after the zero. Your numbers will be slightly different, of course. Uh, so I have 0.11 moles K2SO4. Is that what they're asking for? No. They're asking for sulfate. They only want the concentration of the SO4 part of this. Well, in one mole of K2SO4, how many SO4s have I got? K2SO4. There are two Ks. K2SO4. There's only one SO4. Because SO4 is the name of the ion, and there's no number after that. K2SO4. If it were something like um, Fe 
two SO4 three, then there would be three SO4s. But in this case, K2SO4. There's only one SO4. So that means for every one mole of K2SO4, I'm getting one mole of SO4. If you want to write this down formally um, in order to prepare yourself for future difficult problems, this is how you would do it. You would write down your moles of K2SO4. In our case, it was 0.11 moles K2SO4. Multiply that by the fraction 1 mole of SO4, that's on top, over 1 mole K2SO4, that's on the bottom. The moles of K2SO4 cancel because they're both on the top and the bottom. And all you have left are the moles of SO4. 1 times 1 divided by 1. That's still 1. I'm sorry, 0.11 times 1 divided by 1. That's still 0.11. So 0.11 moles of SO4 is the answer. Is that the final answer? No, they didn't ask for moles. They asked for molarity, the concentration. They want moles over liters. So I'm going to take my 0.11 moles of SO4, and I'm going to divide it by the liters of solution here. The liters of solution, let's see. They gave us 100.0 milliliters of solution. Let's convert that to liters, shall we? You write down, you don't write it down, but you just pretend that you're writing it down in your brain. 100.0 milliliters. Of course, if you're not driving, then you can write it down. I multiply that by 1 liter on top over 1,000 milliliters on bottom. That is so that the milliliters will cancel, and I will end up with liters. So I end up with, just on my calculator, 100.0 milliliters divided by 1,000 milliliters. That gets me 0.1 liters. But I must respect the significant figures here. So there are four significant figures in the number 100.0 milliliters, which was given. That means the answer needs to also have four significant figures. So the number of liters that I have are... Sorry about the barking. The number of... Excuse me. The number of liters that I have are 0.1000 liters. Now, remember I had 0.11 moles of K2SO4. I divide that by... I divide that by 0 0.1000 liters, and that gets me 1.1 molar, 1.1 moles over liters, and moles over liters means molar. So my answer is going to be 1.1. Why is it just 1.1? Why is it not 1.10 or 1.100? It's because the number that we started here started this part of the problem with the 0.11 moles of K2SO4 that has two significant figures so the answer also needs to have two significant figures okay um, there are different ways of uh, calculating this um, they're all very similar of course but there are slight differences so if you do not like my method that is no problem this type of problem is exemplified in the book uh, this is on between pages 149 and 151. There, uh, there is an example, uh, 3.16, which is uh, the example that corresponds to this type of problem exactly. Number three, determine the concentration of a one molar solution of sodium chloride after the following changes occur. A. Exactly one liter of the solution is mixed with 0.35 liters of water. 
exactly one liter of the solution is mixed with 0.35 liters of water. All right, now you know that the concentration is in molarity, units of molar, big M, which means moles over liters. So if I have a 1.00 molar solution of sodium chloride, and in part A I have exactly one liter of it, I can easily calculate the number of moles. Once I calculate the number of moles, I'll divide it by the total number of liters. I, in part A, it says exactly one liter of solution is mixed with 0.35 liters of water. That means that the, the actual amount of sodium chloride hasn't changed. It's just the water has changed. The volume has increased. It used to be exactly one liter, so they say, and now it is one liter plus 0.35 more liters of just water. So I'm going to find the moles of sodium chloride, and I'm going to divide it by 1.35. That's going to get me the new molarity. So here we go. The, the number of moles in a 1.00 molar solution, if I have one liter of that solution, it's just one mole. Um, let, let me formalize that with, uh, with the calculation here. You want, I'm looking for the number of moles initially here. So I want something with moles on top. One molar solution. That means 1.00 moles over liters. Moles over one liter. So I write that down. 1.00 moles of sodium chloride over one liter of solution. Now they're giving me in part A exactly one liter. So I multiply that by one liter an exact quantity for which you do not need to calculate, I mean, you, don't, you do not need to count the significant figures. I end up with the calculator problem 1 times 1 divided by 1, so it's just 1. The liters cancel out, and I just have moles left. So it is 1 mole, 1.00 moles, actually. 1.00 moles of sodium chloride. Now I divide that by 1.35, and I get an answer, which is going to be in 3 significant figures. It's important that you understand this is going to be three significant figures. In the problem, I know they gave me 0.35 liters. 0.35 liters? That's two significant figures. However, I added that to one. And remember, when you add and subtract, we're not counting significant figures, but we're going out to the, um, the least we're going out to the least number of decimal places. The one liter of water was exact, so exact quantities are not having their significant figures accounted for. They effectively have an infinite number of significant figures. We're adding that to 0.35 liters of water. So the the least precise quantity here is 0.35 liters of water because the one liter was exact. So one plus 0.35 is 1.35 in this case, because the 1 was exact. It is not approximate. So 1.35 has three significant figures. 1.35 has three significant figures, and then when you divide this, you divide 1.00 moles over 1.35 liters, then you get an answer that's going to have three significant figures. Part B of this problem, exactly one liter of the solution is left to evaporate until it has a volume of 0.3 liters. What is the new molarity? 
Now, it's important to understand here, folks, that evaporation is a physical change. When salt water evaporates, only the water leaves. Um, many of you know this already, but many of you uh, don't know because when you go to the beach, it seems obvious that there is salt in the air. Yeah, so it must be the case that salt evaporates with the water. And Actually, that is not the case. The reason why there is salt in the air at the beach is not because of evaporation, but because of the motion of the waves um, like on the shore. When the waves crash against the shore, some water is um, misted. When water is misted by some physical motion, the mist is not evaporation. The mist is just physical breaking up of water into tiny droplets. Each droplet can still have a lot of salt. In fact, each droplet does have a lot of salt. That's why the, 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 there is some palpable salt in the air uh, at the beach. When something evaporates, only the water will leave. Okay? So, if you have sugar water, only the water leaves as the sugar water evaporates. When you have salt water, only the water leaves. If you have soup, if your soup is too watery, if you just boil that a little bit, give it some stirring so that nothing burns in the bottom you you will solve the problem eventually if you're if you're able to boil it long enough without damaging the other ingredients because because the water will leave but nothing else will go right of course it is a different story if you have a liquid dissolved in the water such as alcohol when you have alcohol dissolved in the water both the alcohol and the water will leave together um but that's a, it, it becomes a little more complicated. But if you have any kind of salt in, or any kind of solid dissolved in the water, sugar, salt, um, um, what else is uh, like the, 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 the flavoring that comes out of a bay leaf or your other herbs in the soup, you know, all those things, coffee, tea, only the water leaves in evaporation. Okay, now, now that that's clear. For part B here, exactly one liter of the solution is left to evaporate until it has a volume of 0 0.30. So 0 0.30 liters is the new volume. You do not have to do addition or subtraction to find the new volume because they're telling you that the solution is left to evaporate until it has a volume of 0 0.30 liters. If they had said until 0 0.30 liters leave or up until 0 0.30 liters evaporate then you would have to subtract one liter <laughs> one liter minus 0 0.30 liters but in this case that's not the case in this case they're just saying that um, they're just saying that um, the new volume is now 0 0.30 liters all right so you'll get the number of moles we already calculated it it's 1.00 moles and divide it by the new number of liters, which is 0 0.30 liters, and you'll get 0 0.33 uh, moles per liter, also known as 0.33 molar, abbreviated as 0.33 big M. Let's go to number four on this website. This is a mass percent problem, where mass percent means the mass of some substance over the total mass of its solution times 100%. So if you had, let's say, a... 33% um, salt solution, that would be 33 grams of salt in 100 grams of the total solution. Um, of course, 33 divided by 100 is 0.33, but you multiply it by 100% to get 33%. All right, now one brand of formalin contains 36.7% formaldehyde in water. Okay, 
Now that's going to mean 36.7 grams of formaldehyde divided by 100 grams of that total solution. That's what 36.7% means in such a case. The density of formalin is 1.08 grams per milliliter. What is the mass in 1.80 liters of solution? All right. They want the mass. That's grams. So I'm going to need something where grams are on top. Let me go directly to what I actually have, which is 36.7% formaldehyde in water. That means 36.7 grams of formaldehyde over 100 grams of solution. Notice, folks, by the way, that it's not 100 grams of water. It's 100 grams of the total solution, which is formaldehyde in the water. All right? Okay. So I've got 36.7 grams of formaldehyde. I write that down. Over 100 grams solution. I write that down. I need to cancel out the grams of solution. So I'm going to do that. Where can I find grams of solution? In the density figure that they gave. They say the density of formalin is 1.08 grams per milliliter. Formalin is the solution. So that's 1.08 grams of solution over one milliliter of solution. I need the grams of solution to be on top because in what I have already written down, the grams of solution are on the bottom. So I write down 1.08 grams of solution over one milliliter of solution right next to what I have already written down, which is 36.7 grams of formaldehyde over 100 grams of solution. The grams cancel there. And I end up with, that's right, I end up with grams of formaldehyde over milliliters. So I have grams over, whoops, I have grams over milliliters, okay? Notice what canceled here was the grams of solution. The grams of formaldehyde did not cancel because there are no grams of formaldehyde except for um, that 36.7 grams of formaldehyde. Now, uh, what are they asking for? They're asking for the mass of formaldehyde. So they're asking for grams of formaldehyde. They don't want the milliliters. So I need to find a way to let the milliliters cancel. Well, they gave me 1.80 liters of formalin. I can easily convert liters to milliliters. If I just write down on some other part of my imaginary paper, 1.80 liters, and then I multiply that by... 1,000 milliliters over one liter. Then the liters will cancel, you see, because I have liters on top and liters on the bottom, and milliliters will be the only units not crossed out. So that's going to convert to milliliters. So 1.80 times 1,000 milliliters divided by one liter. So that's going to be 1,800 milliliters. All right, now. In the first calculation that I did, I have 36.7 grams of formaldehyde over 100 grams of solution times 1.08 grams of solution divided by 1 milliliter. Now I'm going to times, I'm going to multiply that by, that's right, 1,800 milliliters of solution. So the milliliters of solution will cancel out here, and I just go to the calculator because all the units are crossed out except for grams of formaldehyde. So I go to the calculator now and I type in 36.7 divided by 100 
times 1.08 divided by 1 times 1,800. And I get my number of grams. Okay? See, that was a slightly longer calculation than what you have been accustomed to in previous problems. But I want you to know something here. I want you to know that all of the thinking that is involved here is the same. It doesn't matter how long the calculation is. Later on in this course, you'll encounter calculations that are so long that they could fill the, the page from the left side to the right side of the page. They could fill a whole line of the page. It's just one long calculation and then a little equal sign at the end. But you know, this is all based on the crossing out of units that you don't want and the setting up of units on top that you do want. All right. So, next problem. Number five. Calculate the percent by mass of pure NaCl in the following mixtures. All right. So it's got part A and B and C. They are, these are all done the same way. Let me help you. Part A. I have 1.7 grams of NaCl in 48.6 grams aqueous solution. Some people say aqueous. Uh, I say aqueous. You say aqueous. I say potato. You say potato. Okay. So they give you grams of NaCl and they give you grams of total solution. So all you have to do is just divide. This is a mass percent problem. So you, I say 1.7 grams of NaCl divided by the number of grams of total solution, which was 48.6 grams. I just straight up divide the two numbers they give me, and then I come up with a decimal. I multiply that by 100, and that's the percent. So for example, here I've got 1.7 divided by 48.6. The answer is 0.035. I multiply by 100, that's 3.5. That's 3.5%. The only trick here is the significant figures. 1.7 uh, grams is two significant figures. 48.6 is three significant figures. Well, you need a lower number of significant figures because this is division. So the answer is 3.5%. That's how you do it, and that's how you do all of them, A, B, and C. Let me start talking to you about number six here. This is another form of concentration, parts per million. Parts per million equals the mass of whatever substance is dissolved in the water divided by the total mass of solution times a million. That's parts per million. Parts per million is abbreviated as PPM, and it's very useful when you're trying to measure or trying to check the concentrations of very, very dilute things. I'm talking about, like, in bottled water, what is the concentration of sodium? Yeah, you can't even taste the sodium. It, it's, it's that dilute. So when you're considering, let's say, um, toxic substances in the groundwater, you want to know the concentration of, let's say, chromium-6, which causes cancer, or you want to know the, the, the lead concentration in the water of Detroit, you know, which, which causes neurological damage for kids. You're going to be talking about PPM. So PPM... Uh, it is the center of this problem. What is the mass in grams of a contaminant found to be present at 1.53 ppm 
in a pond having a total mass of 5.3 times 10 to the 10th kilograms. Okay, folks, there are two different ways to do this problem, and I'm going to tell you about a way that I think is easier. The traditional way is in your textbook, page 159, example 3.25. You can check that out if you, um, if you prefer a different method. Now, here's the method that I'm going to show you now. PPM is for things that are dissolved in water. And it ends up being the same as milligrams per kilogram. So if I have, um, let's say, what, what number is this? I have 1.53. If I have 1.53 ppm of some contaminant in water, that's the same as saying 1.53 milligrams of the contaminant in a kilogram of that water, a kilogram of the total solution, okay? Uh, 1.53 milligrams per kilogram of solution. So they, they they give you the they give us the mass of the pond water, which is 5.3 times 10 to the 10th kilograms. So I can find the number of milligrams very easily here. Once I find the number of milligrams of the contaminant, I just convert that to grams and then I'm done. If you used a method in the book, example 3.25, uh, page 159, um, you end up doing something slightly similar to perhaps maybe some type of algebra. But uh, I just don't think that's necessary. You just need to remember that ppm is the same as milligrams per kilogram. Now, I'm now going to calculate with you right here the number of milligrams of contaminant there are in the given mass of pond water, 5.3 times 10 to the 10th. Here we go. I want milligrams, so I put milligrams on top. Where do I find milligrams in the problem? 1.53 ppm. That means 1.53 milligrams per 1 kilogram. So I write it down. 1.53 milligrams of contaminant over 1 kilogram pond water. Now I have to cancel out the one kilogram of, uh, I have to cancel out the kilograms of pond water. They gave me pond water. It's 5.3 times 10 to the 10th kilograms pond water. So I write that next to my 1.53 milligrams contaminant over one kilogram pond water. I write 5.3 times 10 to the 10th kilograms pond water. The kilograms of pond water cancel out. So I end up with 1.53 times 5.3 times 10 to the 10th. Okay. I do that on the calculator. 1.53 times 5.5 EE 10. Your calculator may be EXP, not EE, or it may be times 10 to the power of, or, you know, whatever button you use for scientific notation. And I get 8415 with, wow, seven zeros after it. So that means 8.4 times 10 to the power of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 to the power of 10. So that's 8.4 times 10 to the power of 10. 
8.4 times 10 to the power of 10 milligrams. All right, 8.4 times 10 to the power of 10 milligrams of contaminant are here. Now I'm going to convert that to grams. So I write 8.4 times 10 to the power of 10 milligrams times 1 gram over 1,000 milligrams. And I do that division, and I get 8.4 times 10 to the power of 7. So I write down 8.4 times 10 to the power of 7 grams of contaminant. That may seem wrong because that is a large number of grams. But remember, we're talking about the entire pond. And the entire pond was more than a billion kilograms. I mean, that is a huge pond. Uh, ten, it was 5.3 times 10 to the 10th. I think that's like 53 billion or something. So anyways, it was a lot of water. So there's going to be a lot of contaminant in there. Even though the contaminant is very dilute, just because there's so much water, there's a lot of contaminant. Okay. So, last problem now. Woohoo! Last problem! Woo! Determine the concentrations of each ion present in 0 0.040 molar calcium bromide. All right. 0 0.040 molar calcium bromide. It is CaBr2. Every time you dissolve that in water, three things come out of it. One calcium and two bromides. This is just like your bicycle. If you take apart your bicycle, you're going to get three things. You're going to get the body of the bicycle. You're going to have two wheels. If you take, about, if you take apart calcium bromide by putting it in water, you're going to get three things. Calcium and two bromides. It's the same thing. So the concentration of calcium is just going to be well, every time I dissolve one piece of calcium bromide, I get one piece of calcium. So if I dissolve 0 0.040 molar calcium bromide, I'm going to get 0 0.040 molar calcium. What about the bromide, the BR? Well, there are two BRs in, in CABR2. So if I dissolve one piece of CABR2, I'm going to get two BRs. So if I divide 0 0.040 molar of CABR2, I'm going to get two times that of the BRs. So that's going to be 0 0.080 molar of the BR. And that's how you do that problem. Your, your numbers are going to be different. Your compound is going to be different. But basically, that is how you do it. Thank you very much, folks, for listening. I would like to get your comments, please. You can send me a message by email or by text message or whatever you prefer. I just went through the WebAssign on this podcast, and I thought it was boring. So uh, would you prefer if I didn't do the problems in this audio fashion, but instead I talked about the interesting chemistry concepts that are in the relevant chapter on the podcast? Would that be more helpful, more useful for you? I really want to avoid putting you to sleep while you drive because that would be dangerous. But if this is the most useful thing, because I know you're pressed for time, you all either have kids or have jobs and, you know, you're all very busy. So I want to make this podcast a very effective use of that commute time that you're doing. So please send me comments. Uh, if you don't send me comments, 
I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing here. And if it's boring to you, you you're you're going to be bored, right? But uh, I want this to be useful to you. Yes, thank you. Um, please send me comments. Bye. <laughs>